Life is full of distractions. The cares of this world with the heightened level of hostility and unnecessary divisiveness can wear on us all. It can be tiring day in and day out hearing chatter about impending chaos, disaster, disease, and death while not knowing who to trust with credible information. In this age of sophisticated technology, one can click on a news story, which leads to another click and then to multiple clicks until we find ourselves deep in the rabbit hole, deciding whether to drink the potion, go through the door, and after the white rabbit. Emotions are set on fire by the perceived assault and looming threats on liberties we cherish. Other concerns can weigh on us as well. And while our passions are fueled by such things in this world, which more times than not make us all susceptible to becoming warriors behind a keyboard or behind closed doors, we may not realize metaphorically that the joy of his salvation has been placed in the freezer while trying to deal with fear and frustration in this fallen world. We may find ourselves discontent and tired of it all while trying to remember, where is the joy I once had in the Lord? I know it is here somewhere. Where did it go? I use this analogy to encourage those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ to not be cast down and weary. We simply need to remember our joy and strength come not from within ourselves, but our joy and strength come from Jesus Christ. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Subscribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Subscribe. read this story where this woman, I can't remember if she was pregnant or what was going on with her. Maybe it was just that she was really busy in her life, but she ended up putting her keys in the freezer and she could not remember that she did it. She was so busy and so preoccupied with what was going on in her mind and everything else around her that she put her keys in the freezer. And then when her husband went to go look for the keys, he couldn't find them and she couldn't remember where she put them. And so they ended up searching the house, and finally they found them. Uh, just so happened they found them in the freezer. So thinking on that story, it reminded me of how in our own lives as Christians, we can use that as a metaphor to maybe evaluate our lives and take inventory of where is our joy? Because as Christians, we are to have joy in the Lord. We're not to be weighed down with the cares of this world, which is easier said than done many times. We all face things in our lives at different times, some that are harder seasons than others, and some that seem unbearable in those moments. And as Christians, we are continuously reminded through the Word of God that whether whatever we face, whether it's trials in this life, the, the suffering that goes on, whether it's in our bodies or whether it's for the sake of the gospel, whatever is going on, the fallenness of this world, the, the evils that we see, the diseases, the calamities, the catastrophes, the natural disasters that we see, all of the things that we see going on tend to outweigh the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. And we can misplace, we can get so busy and so preoccupied with the cares of this world and the things that are going on, the darkness that we see and such that seems to be invading more and more as the days grow darker, that we don't even realize that we've put our joy in the freezer. And then we wonder why we're so weighed down with the things of this world and why we're not rejoicing, we're not offering up praise and thanksgiving to God in prayer, why we're not counting it all joy when we face things that are difficult, that that's a time for us to grow in our character in the Lord, for endurance, 
to come to fruition in our lives, perseverance, to continue to glorify the Lord, understanding that there's always a reason to praise God, even when there's suffering going on and there's sorrow, uh, grief and sadness and, and there's turmoil around us, there is still a reason to praise God because he's still God and he's still worthy of our praise and glory. And it got me thinking, and so I wrote this recent blog post about setting our joy to defrost because all of us, myself included, we can get into this place where we're so busy with life, even if everything's going well, we can still get in this place in our lives where we get so busy doing life and doing everything else around us, taking care of our children, going to work, taking care of our homes, trying to do daily chores, errands, and and get things done and taken care of that we still put our joy in the freezer because we're so distracted, preoccupied with other things, we may not realize that our joy needs to be defrosted, metaphorically speaking. And I started thinking about all these distractions and and the cares of this world. There's been a lot of things in the news lately, a lot of things, between what's going on in the United States, what just recently happened in Afghanistan with the Taliban uh, taking over is not good. And There's a lot of things going on in our world right now, a lot of things that could bring us sadness or uh, try to bring us in a place of fear or bring us in a place of concern, or we may not even think about those things. And as Christians, we, we need to be praying for brothers and sisters in Christ that are halfway across the world. You know, there's a lot of things that have happened that seem to, it seems to snowball really, that are, that are going on in our world right now. And, but whether it's in the United States or it's abroad in other countries, there's unrest that's going on. We've seen in Afghanistan with what's going on there currently, and there are horrible things that are going on there in addition to the Taliban taking over. There are Christians that are having to flee. They're having to get ahead of the Taliban to get away from them. There are horrible atrocities that are going on with young girls being taken out of their homes over there to be used for immoral ways, in perverted ways. There's a lot of evil things that are going on, and I think it's a great reminder for us as Christians to refocus and to make sure that our joy is set on Christ and that we are keeping our eyes fixed on him and that we're not getting bogged down by the cares of this world, whether it's in our personal lives, whether it's in people that we know around us, whether it's in our community, it's in our nation, it's in the other nations of the world, that yes, we do have emotions and that we do uh, feel sorrow and we do have concern, but at the same time that we continue to remember the joy that we have in Christ. And that's a reminder for all of us. Like I said, you know, it is easy to to list off all the things that are discouraging us on a daily basis. And it's easy to focus on those things. It's far easier to focus on the things that are going wrong a lot of times than what's going right. I know I have these conversations at times with people or even my husband, you know, we'll be talking about something and either one of us can have a tendency to focus on what's not going well or what could potentially go wrong as opposed to looking and, and thanking God for the blessings that are even in the middle of all of that that's going on, that we have to remember it's easier to look at what's discouraging us, but we need to be looking for what is good. We need to remember ultimately the joy that we have. It's not an emotion. It's not getting worked up. It's not getting into some hype mode and and having this physical emotion but it's the joy of our salvation. That's ultimately what the joy is. It's the joy of our salvation. In this fallen world, we can be around all this turmoil and chaos and all these things that are going on and all the evils of this world, and yet we still can have the joy of our salvation and not 
put it on ice. I'm trying to get you and I thinking about how we can do that, that we can let that joy cool off and we forget ultimately we have the joy of salvation as believers in Christ. We have the promise of eternal life, and we want to share that with other people. We want to minister and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a dying world that needs to hear the good news. And if there's good news, then it's an answer to the bad news, which the bad news is, is that those without Christ, those that do not know him are lost and that they do not have the promise of eternal life. But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ comes and he promises the gift of eternal life in repentance and trusting in him by faith in him alone, faith in him. And so it is easy to list off all the discouraging things in, on a daily basis, far easier than it is the things that bring us joy. And that's something for us to think about and to ponder on. Are you one of those people that tends to focus on the negative, on the things that are bad, the bad things that are going on around you? And you forget to thank God during the day and praise him. You forget the joy of your salvation. Or are you one of those people that is continuously reminded of that, even though the cares of this world may come, you're still casting your cares and your anxieties on the Lord because you know he cares for you is what Peter tells us in the word of God. We need to be encouraged through the word of God. That is the ultimate way that we are encouraged and that we are redirected to go get our joy out of the freezer and to remind ourselves that it needs to, that our focus is on Christ. It reminds us that our focus is on Christ. Psalm 13 verses five through six, David encouraged himself in the Lord when speaking of his enemies wanting to prevail over him. He said, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I love reading Psalms because it's really a true picture of us as believers in Christ. And it's really, it's ultimately testifying of Christ is, um, is what David is doing and all the other psalmists in there is these are the Psalms that even Christ himself, we would see this that are singing. We see that in Psalm 22, for example, the things that are being said, they're prophesying of Christ. The other thing I love about Psalms is that these are human beings that are not only prophesying of the Lord, but they are also bearing their souls before God and they're showing their utter weakness, their fallenness and their trust in the Lord. Even in the old Testament, they're showing this, they're showing their, they're transparent before the Lord and they're showing their fallenness, but then they're encouraging themselves in the Lord. And that's what we are to be doing on a daily basis and not getting bogged down and weighed down by the cares of this world, producing good fruit that bears with keeping with repentance, that bears fruit that, that testifies to whom we belong and that we're remembering, we're continuing to constantly fix our gaze on Christ and to keep at the forefront of our of our hearts and our minds the joy of our of his salvation. I love that, you know, we look at that in scripture, the joy of his salvation. Isn't it interesting that it doesn't say the joy of my salvation? That's a very small observation I want to present to you, but when it talks about the joy of salvation, it says the joy of his salvation. Because salvation doesn't come through anything that we can do. Salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement on the cross for our sins and believing that we have the promise of eternal life through him. That even in this fallen world, that we have joy to look forward to, the joy of his salvation. Though we may face things in this world, there is something we had to look forward to that is, that is going to surpass all of the pain and the sorrow and the death and everything that's going on. And at the same time, there is such joy in his salvation that we don't keep that to ourselves, that we want to tell 
other people about it. Telling the joy of his salvation, it's, it's not some sugary, watered-down message. It's presenting the truth, the full truth, because if it's called good news, then there's bad news in there somewhere, and that's why the good news has come, because Christ is the victor over death. He's the victor over sin. He's conquered it all, and there is glorious good news in that, and we need to be sharing that. And repentance is part of that. There's something to turn from, and that is sin. And so we have a, a, a glorious promise, and we have great joy that, that belongs to us as believers in Christ and the joy of his salvation. When David sinned against the Lord by his conduct with Bathsheba and her husband, he cried out to God, knowing that his sin had broken fellowship with God. He said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Again, I point to the fact this is the joy of God's salvation. The joy of your salvation is what David says. This is God's work in us. This should make us rejoice. This is not based on our striving and our having to do things, but it's based on his work in us and us trusting in him and resting in him. Peter encouraged fellow believers by saying to them, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Peter was encouraging the believers in Christ. He was encouraging them even in the midst of suffering that was going on. Though that they had not seen him, they loved him. And though they did not see him now, but they believed in him, they would greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's you and I. Because we have not seen Jesus Christ face to face. We have not walked with him as the disciples did. We did not participate in his earthly ministry as the disciples did, as the apostles did in the, in the early church. But we praise God that though we have not seen him, we love him. And though we do not see him now, but believe in him, we greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Paul reminds Roman believers of their exaltation to God through Jesus Christ because it is through him believers receive reconciliation. That's in Romans chapter 5, verse 11. We have a reason to rejoice as believers in Christ Jesus. It is because of him that we have the promise of eternal life and of now being children of God rather than children of wrath. And though we face difficulty in this world, we have joy because of Christ. He has overcome the world. He has. This is a joy the world can neither remove nor reprove, and that should bring us great comfort. Now, you may be listening and you're going, well, Dawn, that's really easy for you to say. I mean, everything's probably going great with you and you probably are able to rejoice and you don't have any problems. Oh, to the, uh, to the contrary, my friend. <laughs> you see, we all have those times and it would seem, you know, all of us could probably say, but it just seems like it keeps coming, that there's no, there's no end in sight to the darkness. But Christ is the light. He's the true light. He's the light of the world. He is in the, he's in the light in the hearts of men. And we, as his believers, as co-heirs with Christ, as adopted children of God, we are to shine that light in the darkness. You know, it's really interesting. As a side note, it, it just made me think of this. But last week, my daughter and I started homeschool. And this is our third year homeschooling. She's in first grade right now. She was super excited to start. And one of the subjects that I picked out for her was a science curriculum that is Bible-based. It's based on the six days of creation. And it's true science. <laughs> and so one of the things that we did on the first day, which was called, was, was talking about let there be light, ironically enough, on the first day of school, we talked about light, the reflection of light versus darkness. When you enter a room and it's 
your immediate instinct or reaction is to be fearful or to be hesitant in any way to wonder what's going on in the dark. But as soon as the lights come on, the light begins to reflect off of things in the room and goes into your eyes through your optic nerve and your brain processes it and you're able to see. It's a great analogy to not only the, the understanding creation when God said, let there be light. But as believers in Christ in the New Testament, Jesus encourages those who believe in him that we are to be the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And his light shines in the darkness. It is his light ultimately that is shining through us from the gospel of Jesus Christ and being born again and and having our faith set in him, solidified in him, to believe in in our, our promise of eternal life, no matter what this world may hold, no matter how dark it gets, but that we have joy in the midst of suffering. You know, Peter talked about the suffering. John uh, encouraged those who were suffering. James encouraged those who were suffering. Paul <laughs> encouraged those who were suffering. The apostles, they all suffered in their own way for the sake of Christ. And when we were studying that in the in understanding light and its reflection, it just stood out to me how much we are to, as Christians, metaphorically speaking, we reflect the light of Christ. We are coming into the darkness of this world, and it's nothing about us that we can boast in, but where we have such joy in of our salvation that we boast in Him, and that we are we are radiating the light of the kingdom of God by ministering the gospel and ministering the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's pushing back the darkness is what it's doing because the darkness cannot withstand the joy of salvation, the joy of his salvation, the truth of Jesus Christ. It cannot withstand that. It was so encouraging when I was even just doing this lesson with her and then to think in my own life and see if you can relate to this. But as an American citizen looking around and seeing what's going on. And, and, and as I'm recording this today, there have been drastic things that have happened in Afghanistan. There is going to be great suffering that comes to Christians, to many people, uh, Christian and non-Christian. They are going to endure massive suffering. There's going to be loss, death, torture, persecution, unlike anything that we some of us have seen in our lifetime. I think about what those people are enduring, and I want to share something with you in just a minute about some of the, a few of the top 50 countries where it's the most difficult to follow Jesus. But there are people in those countries that are, that are literally going to die because they are followers of Jesus Christ, and they have a joy in their salvation in, in Christ. There's a joy in, of his salvation that they will cling to as they go on to their death. And as an American citizen, I can honestly tell you, I have no comprehension of that type of, that level of joy of his salvation. I want to understand the level of his joy to the uttermost, even in death. I think that a lot of us in the Western Hemisphere, we have no comprehension of what that true joy looks like because we've not ever truly faced that level of suffering and persecution. And what little bit we do face it, it's enough to cause us to put our joy on ice, to lock it in the freezer or just to lay it in the freezer because we're so distracted by everything else around us. And please understand me. I know that there are serious things going on there. There's a, a threat to our freedoms being taken away as American citizens. For those that are not American citizens and you're listening to this, I, I'm sure that in wherever you are, that there could be a threat of your freedoms or liberties to a certain point being taken away. I, I just want to say this as an American citizen is that I am an American, but first and foremost, and, and I said this in the blog post last week, first 
first and foremost, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That takes precedence over any other title, and it takes precedence over being an American citizen. As much as I love my country, I love Jesus Christ more so. I love God more so than I love being an American. And I am going to identify as a Christian first and foremost before I identify as anything else ever in this, in this world. And I want to have the, continue to, to cling to Jesus and to cling to the joy of his salvation and to have that at the forefront of my, my thoughts. And it is hard when you see all these things, all this turmoil and chaos going on around you. And you, it would be dishonest for me to say it doesn't bother me when the truth of the matter is, even as a believer, I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing all of the the talks about losing our liberties and losing our freedoms and people being pitted against one another. And I get tired of hearing petty and unfruitful arguments about uh, whether it be on a national level or state level or local level or or <laughs> community level, whatever it is. I'm, I'm tired of hearing about all the petty and unfruitful things that are going on. And even more so that we as Christians are engaging in it. And I've been guilty of that too because of such frustration of seeing what's going on and putting my opinion in there without going to scripture first to see, well, does my opinion match what scripture says? Does my opinion match my attitude towards leaders, government leaders? What does the Bible have to say about that? Am I I praying for these people that are really, am I praying for leaders that are not obeying scripture, that they're not looking like godly leaders? Am I praying for them? Wherever they're serving in, in our government, whether local, state, or federal level, am I praying for them or am I Am I, is my heart growing cold because I've lost the joy of his salvation? I'm not keeping my eyes on Jesus Christ. I'm looking to everything else in this world and I am letting, I'm getting distracted and I've misplaced that joy and I can't remember where I put it because everything else is taking precedent over the joy of his salvation. And I'm having to remind myself of taking my joy and putting it and, and thawing it out on defrost. Med- again, I'm speaking metaphorically because that uh, as Christians, we're, we're getting lost at times. We're getting lost in what's going on all around us. And if it's looking darker, then we shine brighter because of Christ and because of the sake of the gospel. That is what happens. It's not that we go hide our light under a basket. We're not to be weary and stay in this state of weariness. We need to be praying and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel of of his saving faith that he grants to people if they will just turn from their ways and follow him and believe on him as the, the true savior, the only way to God the Father. But it does get weary. It gets tiresome listening to illogical arguments. It gets tiresome with the the loss of human life on many levels, the attempts to indoctrinate our children with perversion, beliefs that are hostile to God. I think about the world that, that as far as our children, we have uh, two children, and I think, what kind of world are they coming into with all this going on? It's so, so much da- more dangerous and it's so much worse than it ever was for us as young children. As much as there's a fear that tries to creep in a little bit at the same time, I keep thinking the the solution is we minister the gospel to our children in our home and pray that they or when they're trained up in the Lord and they understand and they cry out to him, they repent for their sins and receive him as their Lord and Savior. And they become lights in the world that reflect the light of Christ. It's things like that that we can encourage ourselves in and, and to cr- really make it about 
the Lord. Make it about God because he's at the center and he's sovereign in all of this. There is hope. And as Christians, we are to to tell of that hope. We are to proclaim that hope. We're not to hide it. We're not to quench it. We are to keep our eyes on Christ. We're to stay in the word. We're to pray, to worship, to seek him, to stay in corporate gathering, to to stay faithful to Christ in those capacities as believers and to continue to seek his ways in all things and to remember that we have that joy. When I think about the ones that are in these other countries, I mentioned to you a few minutes ago about the top 50 countries. Uh, Open Doors is a is an organization that releases this, I believe, every year, and they talk about the 50, top 50 countries where it's most difficult to follow Jesus Christ. And I was looking through this and about having pulling our joy off defrost. And you talk about really putting this in perspective and convicting you. I mean, just the ones I'm going to share with you, a few of them. I'm not going to share all 50, but just I pulled uh, three or four, I think, out of here. But the number one country in the world that is the worst, the top country where it's the most difficult to follow Jesus Christ is North Korea. And their main religion is agnosticism. And this is the, according to Open Doors, this is North Korea's 20th year as number one on the world watch list. And it shares little paragraphs in here about each one and some have actual personal stories. But it talks about in here for North Korea, being discovered as a Christian is a death sentence in North Korea. If you aren't killed instantly, you will be taken to a labor camp as a political criminal. These inhumane prisons have horrific conditions and few believers make it out alive. Everyone in your family will share the same punishment. Kim Jong-un is reported to have expanded the system of prison camps in which an estimated 50,000 to 70,000 Christians are currently imprisoned. And so there's prayer points that they offer in here to to pray for each one of these, to pray for the the fellow believers in Christ. We are called to pray. We are called to lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ from all around the world. We are called to pray for them, to ask God's mercy upon them, God's mercy upon those that that are persecuting them, that there will be believers among those that would come out from among the wickedness, that they would repent of their sins, they would turn to Jesus Christ that we would um, ask for God to protect them, to keep them safe, to, to upgird them in his peace, to strengthen them, to embolden them in their faith, and that they would continuously remember their joy of his salvation. Over and over and over again, you see that there are, even Jesus talked about it, about the persecution, about that he gives joy that the world cannot give because of what he's done. He has overcome the world. There is great joy in him that the world cannot understand and they can't take it away. But yet we lose our joy very easily over things that we're not promised in scripture. We're not promised liberties in this world. We're not promised freedom in this world, but we are promised freedom in Christ. And that is the only true freedom that we most certainly have as believers in Christ that cannot be stripped away from us. The promise of eternal life, the joy that we have, that Jesus died on the cross for us and atoned for our sins to where the the wrath was satisfied, that we deserve that wrath, but yet he satisfied it on our behalf. He satisfied it for us. We lose our joy very easily over things. I'm having to remind myself daily and repenting of that myself of going, God, help me to remember the joy of your salvation. Even in the petty little things I have going on every day or the cares of this world that try to weigh me down, help me to focus on you and to remember that there's great joy to even look forward to after this world, after this life is over. You know, we, we forget that. We, we are living, all of us, you and I here right now, we are living in the moments that we have moment to moment, and we're living for the now. We're living for today. We need to keep in mind eternity. 
and be eternity minded, especially when we're talking to people, when we're praying for people, when we're saying things on social media, whatever we're doing, that if it's a word or deed, we want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do. We're lifting him up and we're praising him. We're offering thanksgiving and we're not losing our joy. That doesn't mean that we're emotionally on a high all the time. And I look at some of these people that are halfway across the world and hearing, reading past things of martyrs and such, and their joy in the Lord, even in the in the midst of facing, looking death square in the face. They're not denying their faith in Christ and they're ready to die for, for God. And they're joyful. I mean, even the, dis- the disciples at Acts, it talks about, I believe in Acts 5, that they were beaten. They were beaten and they were persecuted for the sake of Christ. And what did they do? They left after that being beaten, rejoicing that they were worthy of dishonor. They were rejoicing after they had been beaten and mocked and persecuted. And I can't fathom that. There is something in my mind that cannot fathom that. And I want to fathom, I want to understand it. I want to understand that point of going because it's at that point that you have just died to yourself and you're you're continuing in this progressive sanctification in Christ and you're dying to yourself and you're at, you've reached a point where going to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I have, you know, Paul talked about he had run his race, he had fought the good fight and he was looking he, he was always looking to Jesus Christ. He was looking to the power of his resurrection, that he wanted to know nothing else but the power of his resurrection. Paul was ready to die for the sake of Christ, and he rejoiced. And yes, he faced times where he talks about he was actually depressed. That didn't mean he had a devil. It meant that he was a human being, and he had emotions, and that he had real problems and real issues that were going on, and he was expressing those, but he always went back to the joy of his salvation in Christ. Even in the Old Testament, those that knew God, they returned back. They reminded themselves, like I told you, the psalmists reminded themselves of the joy of his salvation. They reminded themselves in the midst of their sin and their sorrow and their grief and their brokenness to not be cast down, but to remember who God was and to look for him and to put their joy and their trust and their hope in him. And I just look at you and I and I think, why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we doing that? We don't see how sinful and selfish creatures we truly are apart from Christ. And that's why we need a savior because left to our own devices, we are selfish people. We are selfish and self-serving and we don't see anything else but for our own benefit. And we forget the commands of Jesus Christ when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's joy that we can have. Another one I want to share with you, Afghanistan. I had this one bookmarked. Number two is the one of the top 50, uh, the second in the top 50 countries where it's most difficult to follow Jesus is Afghanistan. Their main religion is Islam. And it says for the last three years, Afghanistan is almost tied with North Korea for the number one spot on the world watch list. What is it like for Christians in Afghanistan? It's going to get much harder right now. And I, I want you to, to consider that and be praying. What is it like for Christians in Afghanistan? It says in Afghanistan, living openly as a Christian is impossible. Christian converts face dire consequences if their new faith is discovered. Essentially, converts have two options, flee the country or risk being killed. If their family discovers their conversion, the family, clan, or tribe must save its honor by disowning the believer or even killing them. Christians from a Muslim background 
can also be sent to a psychiatric hospital because leaving Islam is considered a sign of insanity. That's what it's like to be a Christian in Afghanistan. It's not fathomable. Some of the things I'm reading to you, we, we can't wrap our minds around it because many of us have not endured that type of suffering or, or understand that. Nigeria is number nine. This is one I've heard about for uh, for a while. And they have, it, it's been creeping up. More Christians are murdered for their faith in Nigeria than in any other country. Uh, the main religions are Islam and Christianity, but it says violent attacks from Islamic extremist groups are common in the north and middle belt of Nigeria, and they're becoming more common farther south. Militants often murder Christians or destroy their property and means of livelihood. Men and boys are particularly vulnerable to being killed. The women and children they leave behind are often displaced to informal camps, face sexual violence, and are even at risk of abduction and forced marriage. You go on to see, I mean, India's number 10. Uh, there's there's a story that's shared in here. I wanted to move on and share one more uh, there's countries in here I've never heard of, but they're on the, the list, and they're all very important. They all need to be lifted up in prayer. You can probably go on opendoorsusa.org uh, and uh, slash WWL and find these books. And if you want to pray for these people, we need to be praying, lifting them up. And not only praying for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but praying that God's mercy would be extended to those who are persecuting and killing those that are made in the image of God. They are these these people that are operating in wickedness. They are made in the image of God. They are not children of God if they don't know Jesus Christ. There is a difference. But human beings are made in the image of God, and they need prayer. They need to have believers calling on mercy, calling God for God's mercy to come down for them. And we definitely, like I said, need to be lifting up fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. There was a believer that shared her story in here, and uh, she was a performer in the Chinese Military Cultural and Performance Division. Uh, China, just so you know, it ranks uh, 17th of the 50 for sources of persecution. It comes from the communist and post-communist oppression, and uh, their main religion is agnosticism. A lot of these churches, including in China, if I'm not mistaken, they're underground churches. There was a story I was going to tell you about a lady that was a performer in the Chinese military's uh, cultural performance division. And she was famous for her performances and she won awards uh, every year. But something began to change in her, uh, sorry, Ruth's boss told her that she had to stop going to church meetings and that she couldn't be both a military performer and a Christian since military personnel in China are not allowed to be Christians. And so she was faced with a life-changing decision. She was to either deny her faith and keep her job or declare her unchanging love for the Lord and risk everything. And she knew she could not deny Christ, so she quit her job. And it cost her greatly. Her resignation, um, it made her boss very angry, and he punished her. He stripped her of all of her awards that she won. He drastically reduced her retirement benefits, and she lost her job, her reputation, and and her financial security. And so these are just a few of uh, the, the things I wanted to share from this, and ultimately to point you and I both, the joy of his salvation. And this was a glaring example to me in looking at this little booklet with such great persecution in it and great sorrow. But at the same time, there is great joy of his salvation in those that will face death, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next month, next year, 10 years from now, um, as long as the Lord tarries. There are people, there are believers in Christ that are going to suffer for the sake of Christ. And they are going to maintain their joy when they've continued to keep their eyes on Christ, even though they'll suffer 
when I think of the the suffering that is talked about in Scripture, there are a couple of things that come to mind for these last few minutes together. First Peter chapter four talks about this verse 12 through 19. I may have talked a little bit about this uh, recently, but just I want to share just a little bit of this, not the whole thing. Peter's reminding some of the believers there in, in Christ. And he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And I want to stop with that at verse 14, but I, th- I think that that's interesting how he he reminds them of that and encourages them in the Lord and continues to point them back to the, even in suffering, he's talking about rejoicing, the joy, the joy of salvation you have and the joy that when his glory is revealed, the, the full glorification, that there is great joy that we are to cling to in that. And he talks about in First Peter chapter 5, he says, to uh, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, uh, is, a, is a great encouragement, should be a great encouragement to us in Christ. One last verse to leave you with before we stop, before we end this podcast was in Hebrews chapter 12. And I encourage you to read Hebrews 11 prior to that because there there is a great joy that is talked about and it's it's not what some people may make it out to be as far as what they understand faith to be. But there was great joy that was looked upon by these believers as they looked to the promise that was to come that was always told for thousands of years in the Old Testament prior to Jesus coming in the flesh and being truly God and truly man to uh, to bring salvation, to be the savior of the world and to bring uh, sa- salvation from sin. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I hope that that right there encourages you above anybody else that you will ever hear about, is to think about our beloved Savior, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What a great reminder it is for us when we think about the joy of his salvation, to be led by his Spirit, to cast our cares on him because he does care for us, and to trust him in these in these matters, in these dark days or in these times where things seem to be going okay but right now everything looks pretty chaotic we are to not forsake our joy we are to remember where our hope comes from where our help comes from where our strength comes from and our hope is in the lord we have a hope that the world cannot comprehend we have a hope that the world cannot give we have a joy that the, that the world cannot comprehend or give or understand and so when we think about jesus christ true joy is in the lord We're resting in his promise of reconciliation and eternal life that was paid in full by his death, burial, and resurrection. The joy of his salvation allows us to be a light in a dark world. It reminds us to not get distracted by the things of this world, that Jesus prayed that his joy may be fulfilled in those who are his. So I want to encourage you to remember the joy of his salvation no matter what is going on in this world. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And we are to shine the light of Christ in this darkness that is pervading, that we are to proclaim the gospel 
And we are to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. That we have such joy, not as an emotion, not because we've gotten ourselves worked up into a frenzy of joy, but that we have simply understood that no earthly circumstance is going to determine or gauge our joy that is held in his salvation of his promise of eternal life. And so, dear friend, if you've had your joy on frost, if you've gotten so distracted by all the things of this world that you realize that you left your joy in the freezer, like that lady I told you about at the beginning left her keys, left her keys in the freezer and then was unable to get where she needed to and to get disturbed the day and disturbed others by not being able to do things, I would encourage you to stay reminded and be encouraged in the Word of God and to rejoice in His salvation that it is certain and it is secure, and the world is not going to take it. Our salvation is secure in Christ. We can rest in that. We can trust him. We have great hope. We have an eternity to look forward to, no matter what this world may hold. But for the time being, we are to be a light in the world. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to proclaim the truth of the word of God so that others may be set free. We're not here to win a popularity contest. We are here to glorify our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Don't lose the joy of your salvation because of everything going on around you. Cling to Christ. Keep your focus on Him. And let's proclaim the truth of His gospel so that we can be a light in a dark world. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.